The Chiefs win a big game in Germany and hold on to the one seed in the AFC. There's plenty of stuff that they still got to work on. Let's talk about it all. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. Welcome to a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. I am Ken Swanson here with my dear pals, Maddie Lane and Craig Stouts. Matthew. Guten Tag. Uh, are you going to stay with us the entire episode this time? Um, I, I don't have a long con, as Tucker called it, for this week. So, okay, I think I'm here. My favorite, my absolute favorite part, like, you no know, people watching this show, I don't think got to see this, but it was killing us, uh, the rest of us. When you came back in last on our last show, you were trying to adjust everyone's screens and labels and stuff as if Tucker's <laughs> not literally just sitting at his computer waiting to do that. <laughs> Wait, what did I do? We got to get a You jumped in and you started trying to adjust the branding and configure everybody up a little bit. I don't remember this at all. You were trying to make things right, buddy. Uh, you, you were, you were trying, trying. You were trying to make up for your absence. Oh. It's just—it's just funny because like okay. Tucker's literally sitting there to do just that, and you jumped in and you were so fixated on that that I think we kind of left it for you to jump back in to say something, and you were so focused on moving stuff around. It was just fun. And then you kicked. Then you guys basically kicked me out. Uh, yes, correct. <laughs> in, in a, it, in a not so roundabout way, yes, that's absolutely what happened, buddy. Not ha- no passive aggressive at all. That, yeah, not at all. No, we're very direct and forward with you. So uh, always have been. Always. <laughs> uh, thank you though to everyone that's hanging out with us. Uh, really appreciate it as always. Really appreciate the support of KCSN and everything we've got going. There's going to be some big announcements. I think they're going to be hidden over the next week or so. So make sure you're, you know, next couple of weeks. So make sure you keep an eye out for, for all that. So, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, yeah, just, you know, all kinds of good stuff happening at KC sports network as always. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this game over in Germany. You know, I, again, I, I want to continue to add a little bit of just like, let's pull ourselves out of the rabbit hole a little bit. Before we get started, the Kansas City Chiefs are the one seed in the AFC. As a reminder, so like a lot of reason to be excited there. Like there's so many issues that, you know, we want to talk about with the team and we're going to address them and we're going to discuss them for sure. Good and bad. Um, but a little little levity before we start. Chiefs are the one seed, in the AFC. Let's celebrate that. They're headed into the bye week. Andy Reid out of the bye week's phenomenal. They get the Eagles at home. Uh, it, it could be a really fun, it's setting up for a really fun weeks. So there's all that to be excited, but there are all, there's still plenty of things that this team does need to address as well. Um, I, do you guys want to start with the offense? You want to start with the defense? Where do you guys want to go? What do you want to start with? Good or bad? Woo. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a loaded <laughs> question. Let's start with the offense. I feel like the defense is very, is very positive. I, I have some positive things to say about the offense, to go with some of the negatives, so why, why don't we go ahead and start with the offense? Yeah, let's do that. Talk about that. Can we compliment sandwich the whole show? Do we think we can accomplish that? Okay, so start out positive on the offense, and then get negative about the offense, and then get positive with the defense again. Okay, well, yeah, we can do that too. Yeah, that works. I just wanted to explain it. Yeah, that for, that's perfect. Let's do that. Go. Oh me. Okay. <laughs> um. So I let I me. Mean, the offense. Oh, where to start with the offense? Um, the bye week's coming at a good time for this Chiefs offense, right? Like, I, we're all watching the same game. We saw this offense completely stall out in the second half. We saw them have, like, three drives there in the middle of the first half that really didn't accomplish anything. But I, I got to say, I have a little bit more optimism than I had after the game. Because over the past... A morning game is great, by the way. That Sunday morning game was phenomenal. <laughs> more of I had so much time. I have found so much football energy after that game that I have gone back and I have watched the Chiefs passing game, every passing play from the Detroit Lions game, the Chicago Bears game, the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and the New York Jets game. 
and then just now finished the Miami Dolphins game. The offense has changed so much from week one till now that it's very evident that Chiefs know that it's not working and that they know that, and I think it's evident they know they don't have an answer. They've done so many different things with their passing game from week one to now, and it looks entirely different. And I think they've kind of just, they simplified things. They've taken stuff and taken from a very complex, here's a bunch of side adjustment routes based on leverage and timing with everybody else and everything working together that was clearly leading to problems. This was clearly messing up certain things in the Detroit game and even in the Jaguars game. So what did they do against the past few weeks? I think they simplify it to the the Andy Reid basics. Everything's kind of on its own. Not that they, you know, they're not that they don't have route concepts, but like a lot, of, there's a lot more isolated routes. There's a lot more stuff that has no part of anything else happening on the field. And no, it doesn't always look pretty because guess what? The personnel still isn't very good. That didn't change, but they simplified it. And I think they did that knowing that they can't change this entire offense in between two games. And so they were just trying to get to the bye week by trying to do all this different stuff. And here they are. And I just, I found a little bit of solace that the team wasn't actively going out there and showcasing a new offensive style. I don't think that they were being vanilla. I just think they were being basic because that was the only way to get this team to play with timing, some sort of rhythm, whether it's not, whether it's consistent or not. And just to play a little bit more confidently, I think they really had to, you know, drum it down. This sounds negative, but I think this is a positive because why you have to. You have two weeks to figure this out now, though, and we've seen them change that, right? Like, we've seen them change the offensive scheme throughout the offseason and stuff. They entered the year with plan A, and it failed miserably in Detroit because not because the offense looked bad, just because the receivers made mistakes. And then against Jack, the Jags, it was up and down. It was okay, but it still wasn't great. It looked good against Chicago, and guess what? That plan A really failed versus the Jets. So now it's like, okay, what do we do? This plan that we had for the entire season isn't working. What do we do? We need to make it until week nine to get to the bye week before we can get to our plan B, like before we can revamp this stuff. I this is a I know this doesn't sound positive, but I promise you this is a positive to me. I promise, Craig. I just think it's funny that, all right, I'm going to start with a compliment sandwich. Guess what, guys? God, they're on the bye week. <laughs> They did make adjustments. They didn't work. They did. They made them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the right way. I don't know the right way to frame it, other than the fact that they are trying to do different stuff and none of it's working. But I think what they've done now is instead of trying to move forward and just pile on new stuff onto the heap that's not working, they're stripping it down to go back to the basic stuff. They're stripping it back down to the studs so they can rebuild that up however they're going to need to with this particular unit. Because they can't run the Juju Smith the Schuster offense with this personnel. They can't run the Tyree Kill offense with this personnel. I think they had an idea that they wanted to do. It didn't work. I think it's worth noting that they are no longer, I don't think, slamming their head into a wall trying to make it work. I think the way they did the start, they have now stripped it down to the basics. And I do think that I trust an Andy Reid and a Patrick Mahomes to figure out something new coming out of the bye because they are at least trying different things. No, I, I get you. I understand what you're saying there. And <laughs> and if you look at the opening game script, it definitely seems like Andy Reid knows how to utilize these guys better than he did at any point that you know this season. That's probably the best team that we've seen this offense look the best against. Now, granted, it was one drive. It's the opening drive. Defensive coordinators like to play a little soft on that opening drive at times. So could be a combination of a lot of things, but yeah, it, it definitely seems like we're going back to maybe more of the staple type plays there. I mean, we we saw him tease a few things. They had Travis Kelsey lined up in the backfield and ran, you know, ran a gap scheme run and it worked really well. We saw, you know, the the Jared McKinnon touchdown was beautiful. This RB mesh where the release he kind of fakes like he's gonna do, you know traditional releases a tendency breaker where he kicks back out and back up field there those are all very positive things that show hey listen this this offensive staff isn't just sitting here you know twiddling their thumbs and going well save us patrick you know it does feel like that at times but it's not always the case so it is good to see some of that yeah you want to see it look a little bit better than that but yeah to maddie's point you're here at the bye hopefully you see some of those things continue to build. Maybe you see some more of the opening game script leak its way into more of the game itself rather than shutting down when they're up 21. 
maybe you get to see a little bit more of the offense and fireworks as it goes along. Now, to go right along with that point, though, Andy Reid, I know I talk about it all the time, likes to save plays. I think we are seeing Andy Reid maybe not save as many plays this year. It feels like there's a lot more stuff that he's trying. So I, I know that we talk about it. Kent, I'll, I'll throw to you real quick here. This is a brief point. I know we talk about it all the time that he saves stuff and that you know he keeps stuff close to the vest. It feels like it's a lot more open than it has been in years past just because they're trying to get something going and it's still not working. So, Kent, I get your rebuttal here. I thank you for like almost asking permission to continue talking there. Listen, I saw you had a, a point and I wanted to let you know that I, I know you, buddy. I'm so excited to jump in. Like I, I, I try not to, I try to keep myself contained a lot of times, but I think, I think there's a lot, I got a lot of thoughts here. It was a lot easier to talk about this group of wide receivers in this offense growing and developing and having growing pains when they were six and one. And then they lost to the Broncos and everything just kind of every emotion bursted out of the seams. Like it was, you know, like if the chiefs were sitting here eight and one, I, I know we would still be talking and acknowledging like this, the wide receiver struggles are real, but every other team is flawed. And this team is, in sole possession of the one seed, they got a game up on everybody. Yada 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 yada. Um, so like I think um, it was easier to it was easier to to preach that when they were, you know, didn't didn't lose to the Broncos. I'm trying to come back to that feeling of knowing that this is a process. To some of Maddie's points, and also just kind of thinking about you know the way Andy typically does stuff. And when he's going to call, when he's going to bring out the good stuff, he brings out the good stuff for uh, the big moments, you know, special occasions. He's, you know, he's trying to birthdays, you know, pace himself. It it kind of is like when is, you know, when his brother comes to town, you know, he's going to, he's going to bring the good stuff. And so like, I guess like I'm, you know, I, I think Andy has this pulse, this pulse and instinct on what he's, can show to get away with you know winning a football game and to his point like if the Chiefs had just gone out and execute last week I think they would have against the Broncos I think they would have won it wasn't a you know they 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 had enough on the call sheet to win that football game execution was absolutely abysmal and despite not bringing the a beat this you know besides not you know maybe not making a brisket and making a, a pulled pork you know, for the Broncos, nothing wrong with the pulled pork, but brisket's better. Like we can all acknowledge that. Um, they had enough. I lost this analogy. Hang on. They had, they, had, <laughs> they had more than enough, I think, to win that game. I think there's like this constant struggle of Andy's, you know, going this offense and trying to I, find an identity, build an offense that can function, that can play to the strengths of this team. That's not, you know, putting too much on the plate of this group meshed with trying to play the long game, which like we are a very reactionary, you know, fans are a reactionary, you know, and it's a very reactionary business because we don't know what they have in store, right? There's like, there's a little bit of mystery always there. It's not been good. They've been kind of going between trying not to show too much where last week was some of the most predictable play calling. I told like, I told Tucker, I, I called two of the plays in the opening script. I was like, there's the Tyreek Hill run that they ran to Kadarius Tony. He ran into him and I picked one up. I shouldn't be doing that, but I'm just like, that's what I'm saying. Like just some very basic predictable stuff that they've had in their bags over the last decade. So I think there's, I, I do think there's a lot of meat on the bone that they haven't showed us yet. They're still obviously trying to figure some things out, but I think the evidence that you see to me about no, like knowing things are coming, changes are coming. Is if have you guys looked at the snap counts of the receivers? Yeah, I mean, Rasheed's playing. Sky's not. <laughs> Sky's Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, Kadarius Tony, all under twenty five percent of the snaps on the offensive side of the ball this week. Um, so you know, and the good news is Rasheed Rice played sixty eight percent of the snaps and led all receivers. 
The bad news is Rasheed Rice played 68% of the snaps, led all receivers, and still didn't have a catch after nine minutes left in the, in the second quarter. Yeah, target. You know, or target. But I, I think they're starting to... I think there's... I, I, I'm with you on that, Maddie. I think they're... I, I, I do feel comfortable that out of the bye week, you're going to have some definitions, you're going to have some roles, and you're going to have a game plan built around those definitions and those roles. And I think you're starting to see them get closer and closer to that. So I I think the Andy Reid play calling and holding stuff back is maybe a little bit different than the overall passing game. Because like, yeah, Andy Reid in any given game, even right now with us three going out there to play wide receiver, he could dial up some stuff that probably would almost work, right? You know, and so our bodies fell apart. But he could get stuff that would almost, almost work. No, no, I, I think Andy could get any random people open occasionally. In a football game, one hundred percent. You think the problem you think, is you think they could yes. put us in a bunch? Yes, yes. yes. Now, Listen, can we catch the ball? Can we catch, catch the ball or not? Catch it. I don't know. Right. I, I can. I can speak to myself here that it there is knew. no chance in hell that Kent gets a bucket in this offense. Man, <laughs> I was just saying. So, all right. So, Craig's running the corner out. No, Craig's getting the ball. Anywho, I run Andy Reid to be able to get anybody open at any point in time. I don't think that that is in doubt. I think what is in doubt is when it's the second quarter with eight minutes left and the offense needs to make a drive, they have nothing right now. And like they still have, they still have nothing. The thing though is, I don't think that they are trying to do the same stuff over and over again. I don't think it matters. I want Rasheed Rice to play more. It didn't matter that he was playing more Sky more. They still had nothing. They still didn't have it yet. But I think they're trying different stuff. And now we really want to dig into it. The reason the offense failed in this game had nothing to do with the receivers. It was 100% the offensive line who was terrible. Absolutely terrible in this game. Not that the wide receivers were good. They were still just running the Andy Reid basic, you know, greatest hits in every other play. They were completely blanketed on very basic routes. But the few times guys were getting open, I mean... The offensive line play was absolutely horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. They couldn't block a stunt. They couldn't block basic stunts all game long. At the very least, nobody in the NFL could block basic stunts yesterday. <laughs> that, that made me feel better. But no, it, it wasn't good. And so it's one of those things where it's not a consistent through line that you're seeing, whether it be because the wide receivers aren't executing, whether it be because the offensive line is not you know, pass protecting well enough for Patrick Mahomes to feel comfortable, whether or not it's Patrick Mahomes not, you know, letting the ball rip when he sees guys open because he doesn't trust it and he needs to learn to trust it a little bit more. Or if it's Andy Reid putting so many wide receivers on the field throughout the course of the game that there's no rhythm. There, There isn't. I wrote about it a little bit yesterday. I was a little bit shocked. Justin Watson led this team in targets yesterday with five, five targets leading the team. Mm -hmm. Do you realize how low that is for this offense? I mean, it is crazy. Like, it, they, they have one player exceed four targets. It's the second time that that has happened this season, week one, against the Lions. They only had five targets for the maximum player there, and that was without Travis Kelsey. In 2022, the offense that we talk about all the time, that they're trying to model this this team after, you know, you don't have to splurge on wide receiver. You can kind of make up for it with a multitude of guys. You never know where you're going to throw the ball. That never happened. There was never an instance where somebody didn't have six or more targets, and there was only twice that they didn't have two people that had six or more targets in a game in all of 2022. That is crazy. And, you know, we talk about him spreading the ball around, throwing it to all these guys, it matters when there are guys that you trust and functional NFL-level receivers that are on the same page as you. Go back and look at the target numbers from last year, and you you will be shocked how many targets MVS got in this offense, especially early on, because we talk about all the peaks and valleys. MVS got a ton of targets early in this offense, but it's just not there this year. It's like, hey, we're going to rotate this set of guys in here. Oh, nobody's open. We're going to throw a target to random guy that we haven't thrown it to yet. So there's no consistency. You don't get to build off of that. You don't get to have tendency breakers because you're not establishing tendencies to begin with. And so that's what I'm looking at. There's no rhythm. There's no real 
guy that they can go to outside of Travis Kelsey. And in games like against the Broncos and now against the Dolphins, it becomes very easy to take away one wide receiver and say, somebody else go beat me. And when you're not throwing them the ball, it's hard for a guy to go and beat anybody. Yeah, I think the just kind of thinking like, and thank you, Justin. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, uh, thank you. I, you know, I think one thing that I've just kind of been thinking about just with this offense too is, you know, and just like the team building perspective is we've, this team has always had the trump card. You know, they have always had the offense. They have always had, we can win a shootout. The offense is most of the time going to win us this football game. Defense is going to come up and make some plays when it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've messed with the trump card this year, right? And knowingly, they decided to maybe allocate resources differently to this team. It's just, it, I, it's so like, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, like I, I keep thinking about like how, like as of a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about this team being like top five in offensive D, DVOA. It's just, it's, it's funny to me that like, they are definitely, they've definitely messed with that Trump, Trump card. They've definitely pivoted to a defensive first team, at least the first half of the season. Some of the metrics still like them as an offense. And it's so like trying to calibrate my emotions right now are, is very fascinating. Like, you know, it just like all of it, you know, and I do think there's meat on the bone for this offense. I do trust Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to get this figured out. I genuinely believe that by the playoffs, there will be some things on offense they have cooking that will allow them to do the things. That, I mean, like they're still the favorites to win the Super Bowl for um, it's just, it's, it's the, the, the approach to get there has just, it's been, it's been exhausting and it's been frustrating. It's so unfamiliar, but thank God for the defense. We're going to talk about that right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the app store or Google play. Just search KC Sports Network. This show is sponsored by better help. Do you look forward to the holidays? Maybe you struggle with the seasonal blues as days start to get colder and shorter here in Kansas City. And this time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or some anxiety about it. But I think something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change. Something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything that's going on. It's a helpful learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries that empowers you to be the best version of yourself as well. And it isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the like button hit the subscribe button and if you're maddie lane get mad at me for switching to the defense too quickly do you want to just yes. get your take off real quick <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like uh you left a lot of meat on the bone there and i know i did i know i did but i <laughs> for the sake of for the sake of brevity uh oh uh, have- no, no 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 it's fine we, we we'll try to save it for for, for another show i I wanted to talk more about the offensive line and how they they really tank the team, but like we got to save some time for the defense. So I assume you're you're getting us the defense defense for a reason here. So we'll we'll let Craig go. We'll we'll address the offensive line's inability to handle basic stunts and how it completely tanked the entire Chiefs' offensive ability versus the Dolphins in a later. Let's, why don't we? Once you guys do that on Thursday, when I am just here to not transition the show even a little bit, <laughs> buddy. All we're talking about on Thursday is the draft. Yeah, we got we got so many plans. <laughs> I'm jealous. You don't even know. <laughs> you can talk about if you want to get some t- if you want to get some line takes off first. By all means, I just want to say I the we- Chiefs' offensive line hasn't played very well the past couple weeks. Um, specifically, uh, specifically the tackles, but it's not like the interior has been. Part- I mean, much better anyway. I, I don't know. It's just get the whole the whole unit right now doesn't seem to be playing in sync. They were getting beat over the head with stunts. And, like, I understand against the Jets, the Jets were doing a lot of late, long loopers from D tackles that were corralling Mahomes. He tried to escape. We didn't see that happen from the Dolphins. It was actually a great play. They're back, the backside D tackle loops all the way around. Like, you can't really predict that. Like, they did some good stuff, but for the most part, the Chiefs just couldn't handle basic, basic stunts and guards and tackles on the man side of protection. So, when you call your protection, most often, the Chiefs are going to be a jet protection. Sometimes it'll be like a scat or something with empty. But for the most part, it's jet. That means there's going to be half the line, roughly, is going to be blocking a gap. The other guy's going to be blocking either a specific man. And the Dolphins kept dialing it up to where they were catching the backside guard and tackle, not the backside, but the weak side guard and tackle in man. And they were just running stunts into it over and over again. And they, the Chiefs, had no ability to pick it up. Every single time, the guard and the tackle were on two different planes. So when you're picking up a stunt and you guys are blocking mans, you guys got to be even all the way through your drop. You can't have one guy way up here and one guy down here. There's now a gap just routinely. And it didn't matter which way it was. Routinely, they were just not even with each other, not playing in sync. And the Dolphins, kudos to them for doing it. I think the Broncos did it a little bit too. Obviously, the Jets did it. It's, It's out there now. Teams know that these new offensive tackles on this Chiefs offensive line and the guards aren't on the same page. And so thankfully, again, they're at a bye week to fix it. But like, that was a problem. This offense won't function. It doesn't matter what you do with the wide receiver room. This offense won't function at a consistent level if it's ever like that again. Like, it was really bad when I went back and rewatched. Yeah. And uh, to kind of swing it back the other way here, because it was, it was, it was really bad. Swing it back the other way. If there's a coach that I believe can actually get positional coach that can get it back, it's Andy Hack. Like, I... He and Colin are basically the two guys that I'm just going to sit there and go, you know what? No, that's fine. Happens. They'll get it rectified in the bye week. They'll get this stuff turned around. I, you know, Andy Heck definitely preaches that. Like, that is something that he hammers home. That's like day two, you know, stuff for him where he just bludgeons them over the head with a hammer about all that stuff. And it's obviously become a major problem. I think we're going to see a massive improvement and granted they've got an awesome defensive line that they've got to go up against when they come out of the bye in the Philadelphia Eagles but I'm also not going to be the least bit surprised if this team comes out against the Eagles and all of a sudden this offensive line looks much improved much more on the same page picking stuff up a little bit better like I mean I am very glad that this stunt happy game plan from the Dolphins happened right before the bye because if it happened three games ago and you had other teams that were teeing off on it a little bit more I would be a lot more scared of what was about to happen here whereas now I feel like 
they're going to have a chance to rectify it. I actually believe in that positional coach to get things right. And so, okay, so we spend a lot of time like talking about things we've seen and we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, what we you know, haven't seen, right? Like in things that we want to see this team improve on and all that stuff. We also have a decade-long track record of watching this team improve, improve at key mile markers like the bye week. And so like, I know, like, how is it? I don't know, like I'm with Craig full, full-heartedly. Like, I know how frustrated it is, how frustrating it is to watch this offense and how frustrated Chiefs fans are watching this offense. And I'm not trying to explain it away with blind trust, but also I kind of am a little bit saying I do fully have the confidence, belief, and expectation that they're going to figure it out. Now, it might cost them the one seed. And I think that's where the frustration lies. You know, it's 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 not one seed or bust for this team, but it... One season port never is for Andy. It, it never it, is for Andy. Yeah. It, adding having one less game is very important to your, you know, to being able to to make it to a Super Bowl. And it's it's always like the most the the best advantage that you can possibly have is being the only team that only has to play two games to get to the Super Bowl. So I think a lot of the frustration you have is having Patrick Levon Mahomes, but that's that's, that's also that's a good point. They last time I checked, they still do. But I do, I do, I really believe you're right. Like, I, I think this is perfect timing for them to figure out some of their stuff with, yes, granted, very simple games up front. Like, you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like just day one stuff. Um, but I, I really do feel confident that they're going to figure some things out. I really do. I think the offensive line will play better. I think they'll find their identity and start. I think they're going to be able to whittle away some stuff during this self-scouting process, which is always one of the big things that they do during the bye week, and I think they will. Um, but yeah, the, the offensive line was a massive problem this week, and they've got to get it figured out. And I I think the gravity of the Eagles game will allow this group to refocus. I really do. I feel pretty good about that. Anything else on the offense that you would like to talk about before I retransition to the defense? What do you have? I think this would be a this would be a great time to throw to a break. Say we're going to talk about the defense when we come back. Hit that nice clean transition with a break in between the offense and defense. I think this would be perfect. Okay. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. Uh, okay, let's talk about the defense. Craig, uh, is this the best defense in the NFL? Yes. Okay, next. No, no, it's That's not quite do the best it. defense. <laughs> I know you want to get out of here, Kent, but we got a little more on this. No, um, no, it's, it's top three. I, I, I think it's pretty safely top three. You know, Baltimore, Cleveland, Dallas, uh, all are up in there. Um, but this Chiefs defense has been going up against some of the best competition that any team has seen this year, whether it be quarterback, running back, wide receiver, it doesn't really matter. They have had kind of a murderer's row of weapons that they've had to face. We have seen Steve Spagnuolo start slow throughout his career here in Kansas City. He could not start slow against the types of offenses that they played against so far this year. I We, we talk all the time about <clears throat> how good this Chiefs defense is and how they're leaning on them and everything like that. I don't think what we truly appreciate how many excellent offenses they have played this year so far. And that ties right into the game that we watched yesterday morning at the time of this recording going up against the NFL's most efficient, best offense that's out there right now. And you know what? They shut them down. Like, averaged 13 yards less per drive for the Dolphins than they have averaged all year long. Hold them to their lowest point total of the year. And, oh yeah, they get a defensive score as well that ends up making the difference in the game. This was the one that, Maddie, I know you had circled. Like, it was, hey, I think this defense is really good. Like, I really believe that this defense is really good. But I, but I'm cautiously optimistic in awaiting that Dolphins game to try and get a true barometer for what it is. After watching this again, are, are you ready to say uh, officially here? 
top three defense? Ooh, top three. Top five for sure. I, I Probably top three. It's probably top three. Like, I, there's there's some really good defenses out there, right? And so this year, and the defense is dominating all of the NFL this year. So, like, hey, we also should have thrown that, like, into the offensive struggles at some point in time. Yeah. Defenses are just dominating offenses this they year. Really, I, I, I didn't want to say that, but it's also, like, I part, partially wonder some of this offensive DOV, DVOA rankings and where they sit is, like, this has been the year of the defense. Right, you know, like, and, and I, I'm trying not to. I'm, I'm trying to balance excuse with, like, let's try to add some more context to this because, like, let's call a spade a spade, right? Everyone tried to go to two high Vic Fangio defenses and offenses started figuring it out finally, and now not everybody, but enough people are switching off from it that you're having a dip from a lot of these teams that finally figured out how you attack the very old school too high structure of a Vic Fangio defense, and it's. It's cyclical, just like when everybody started running cover three and all of a sudden offenses exploded because cover three was all the rage. And then all of a sudden, wait, here comes Vic Fangio to slow it. At- Same thing every couple of years. Right. Um, anyhow. So here I we come back. Cover to- three. <laughs> I just, as a, I'm, I'm, never mind. Yeah. So she's defense great. I, to Craig's point, this was a game that I was waiting for, though, because I don't, I don't think the Chiefs have played a great offense so far. I know that the Lions have been good, but also when the Lions have played good defenses, they haven't been good. So, like, they hadn't played, I don't think they played an offense that really challenged them, that really gave them a barometer of how good or bad you think they were going to be. They haven't particularly played great quarterbacking. They've made it really difficult for everybody, but I've never had my doubts that Steve Spagnuolo, when he is in his bag, is going to make an average or below average quarterback look terrible. That's that's well within his frame. The problem is, throughout his time in Kansas City, he has had stretches where he has been given up big explosive plays, where good offenses kind of come in and kind of gotten him because he just hasn't been able to do it. Well, guess what? He's got the personnel now, though, right? He's got the guys that can play on all three levels. He's got the dudes that can make stuff happen on all three levels. And I don't want to say that he is any less aggressive than he's been in the past, but he doesn't have to sell the farm to get pressure on a quarterback. Mm. He doesn't have to drop nine guys into coverage to cover two receivers. He doesn't have to blitz 11 guys to get pressure every single play. Like, he can call normal zone blitzes. He can call just normal cap blitzes and only bring five, but because of where the alignment is, the linebackers, they're getting pressure. Oh, guess what? If they want to drop out and then go play coverage, he can actually has guys that can play coverage if the pass rush takes the seconds. Like, I just think that the Chiefs finally gotten to the point to where the defensive talent has really caught up and it's letting Steve Spagnuolo showcase every single thing he could do, and it's been great. And yes, this happens when you spend a bunch of draft picks on the defense, when you start trying to sign free agents on the defensive side of the ball, and maybe this also plays a part. Why there's been a slight dip on the offensive side. There's been a little bit more investment on the defensive side as of late, and that's fine. It's just it's finally peaked up to what it possibly could be, and it's been super fun to watch and watching how they handled Miami. I don't even know if there's a specific thing they did other than the fact that this they handled the motion great. Oh my goodness! Now, Craig and I talked. Craig talked about the motion last Thursday. We were talking about a little bit more like how they handled it was perfect. Sometimes they shifted out with it. Sometimes they didn't. They just always had an answer for every single motion that the Dolphins threw out them. They had an answer and it was always different. And you can tell that was kind of messing with what the Dolphins wanted to do. They couldn't get a read on what the Chiefs were trying to do versus the motion other than the fact that the Chiefs were shutting it down. We're not shutting it down, but like handling it very well. They were communicating and appropriately, you know, diagnosing what to do from there. So it's just... I thought it was a great performance all around. There's one of the best defensive performances you've seen all year. And I mean, unfortunately, it came at the same time that the the Browns did the Browns thing and the Ravens did the Ravens thing and, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, I sorry. I, I thought Craig was jumping back in for a second. Like, you no, know, like, no, I, I, I was letting you talk about, you know, your favorite side of the ball. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no. Leo that Leo Chanel sure did good. Hey, and no. a sack yesterday. Give me a break. Give me a break. How is that a sack? And yet um, a, a, a fumbled snap is not a sack. I'm asking for George Carlo. Because it's not a drop back. Not technically a drop back. You don't know the drop I know. Back. I understand the why, but it doesn't I, I what drop back? Okay. Well, I will say this. This is like the, one of the things that like I was very encouraged by is yeah, we talk about Steve Spagnolo pressure. We talk about you know, him wanting to generate pressure, yada, yada, yada. I think just 
the, the there weren't getting I don't know what their pressure rate was, but was it it couldn't have been high up compared to recent like like where where did it sit? Where did their pressure rate this this week sit relative to the rest of the season? Do we have any idea, Craigalytics? Oh man, you are asking for some Craigalytics that aren't formulated. No, yet. it's fine. So it's yeah, I mean, but like it didn't feel like they were generating pressure at a similar rate than they have this entire season. No, and, they were not. I mean, it, PFF, you know, the way they tracked it and stuff like that, they just they they had significantly lower pass rush win percentages this game than they have the majority of the season. You are correct. And I think it's understandable because of how quickly Tua gets the ball out of his hands. And like that offense, part of what makes it so great is neutralizing pass rush by getting the ball out of the hands of the quarterback quickly and pressuring and, and, and stressing your back seven. And it's just refreshing to see how this back seven handled that game, you know, without a great pass rush and without consistent pressure and watching the skill players be able to handle that. Like into the each point. Yeah. I think they had a fantastic game plan, fantastic, you know, handling of of some of the exotic motion stuff that this team tried tries to do. I don't like they did a really good job limiting explosive plays. And I got that speaks to it. The good communication on the back end, um, you know, not getting caught. I mean, like the the Dolphins were gonna try to throw some stuff out there and they they didn't get they didn't get anything, you know? They really didn't get much of anything going. And so I just, it's a credit to, I think the back seven deserves that credit and like how this team can have success defensively, I think is versatile. The pass rush needs to get home more than it does. And like, obviously we had the Chris Jones conversation yesterday that doesn't, I don't want to rehash it. Um, I'm, but I mean, this defense. No, because he's going to come out and get like three sacks against Jalen Hurts out of the bye. God, I hope so. Ooh. The jail. I would love nothing more. Uh, we know you would love nothing more than that to happen. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, the secondary is terrific. Like it, it's so fun to watch right now, and everybody's playing at such a high level. Like yes, Legarius Need has been awesome, and Trent McDuffie has been awesome. But we have seen under Steve Spagnuolo's tenure, you know, seasons where. Legere Sneed was really good, or Bishop Breland was really good, and Tyron Matthew was really good, and the rest of the guys were just kind of all right. Like, they did enough to where you were okay with being able to rotate, get some of the stuff going in the secondary. I don't even know that I'm comfortable saying that anybody's all right right now. I feel like everybody's playing above average. Justin Reed has been good over the past, you know, few weeks. He's had some moments that he's not been good. But if I look at the games as a whole, he's been good. He looks comfortable flying around there. Brian Cook looks comfortable playing deep. Mike Edwards looks terrific. Like that, if Drew Tranquil wasn't on this team, that would be easily the biggest free agent pickup that they made this season so far. And then, you know, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, these guys are, they're good as well. They're above average. They're, they're, they've been fine this season. They've had their low moments, they've had their high moments. It's been pretty good. You don't look at this as you do some of the other secondaries that you have under Steve Spagnuolo, and you've said, okay, target that guy, and things are probably going to go well for you. Or target that guy, and things are going to go well for you. Or throw a Dan Sorensen. I don't know why he has to catch a stray in this. But, you know, I, it's it's one of those that you had even looked like a word that could tee off on specific individuals on this defense in, you know, specifically in coverage. And that just doesn't feel like the case this year. Everything is so hard. We talked about how hard everything looks for the Chiefs offense. That's every offense against the Kansas City Chiefs defense yeah. right now. It's so difficult to find an open guy, to find a guy with separation, to be able to have the time to throw the passes that you want and have the route concepts do what you want. That is a testament to not just the coverage, but the pass rush and and the scheme and all of it. It is just clicking so well this season that it doesn't feel like there is a weak spot that we can point to on the defense and say, hey, the offense should go this way because it's going to result in something positive. Yeah, I think that's the key, right? You you asked me, like, you know, are they a top three defense, best defense? Like, I, 
I think we can have that discussion, right? You can put that discussion out there for the Chiefs, but I will say, I think they're one of the most complete, if not the most complete defense. They're The ways they can win are, are there's so many different ways they can win, and there's so many different players on all three levels, and there's no weakness to, to your point there, Craig. So I, I think they just can kind of do a little bit of everything, and then once you have that baseline, and now that you know, the majority of these guys have played together for a longer than just one season, yes, Kudos to Mike Edwards for being able to come in and just pick that up right where it started and provide that versatility. Kudos to Charles O'Minihue for having the flexibility to move around the defensive line. Hey, he might have been their best defensive lineman versus the run this past the game against the Dolphins as well, which was a struggle for him his first game back. So, hey, that's good. That's a good thing to see. And right, so kudos to these guys for coming in, but everybody else has been here and they've been working together. You can kind of see it. They communicate well. They understand each other. And this is just allowing... The best part of this defense, yes, Steed's great. Chris Jones is great. Trent McDuffie's great. All these guys are great. The best part of this defense is Steve Spagnuolo on the call sheet, dialing it up, confusing losing quarterbacks. Like quarterbacks, offenses don't know what to do against the Chiefs. The only time the Chiefs defense ever seems to be struggling is when the opponent is dictating the play, the pace and the play, and that's usually by running the ball. And because that's something that, like, you know, it's a little bit harder to just scheme up run stuffing plays while also maintaining, you know, proper coverage leverage and assignments and everything. So that's the only time this defense struggles. And even this year, they have guys, again, on the D-line, on the on the linebacker level, on the back end, they can make plays there's to run and immediately take teams out of running down. So just the, the way everything is working together is absolutely perfect right now. It's letting Steve Spagnuolo do absolutely anything and everything he wants. And just, I can't imagine walking up to go play this team and you're getting up to the snap every single time. You're just like, I don't know what they're doing here. <laughs> I just don't know. I Once this ball is snapped, I don't know what's happening. And sure, you might get them once or twice, but you just generally don't know. And I think Cameron Wolf had a tweet here, and this came from Zach Eisen sent this to me, so I hadn't seen this earlier, but this is the tweet from Cameron Wolf, who I do believe, you know, covers the Dolphins a little bit. The Chiefs forced Tua to hold the ball for 2.5 seconds or more on 16 of his 34 pass attempts. That's his highest rate at any point in time in a game this season. That's a lot. They just the Dolphins had no idea what to do. And that's an offense that dictates everything on pre-snap, one read, timing, get the ball out quick. They couldn't. They simply couldn't do it against the Chiefs. I think that goes to show how good everyone's playing, but very specifically, how great Steve Spagnuolo's got those guys working on the back end and just all across the board as a, as a team and as a unit. And, I mean, anecdotally, they gave up one long touchdown drive again. They, I mean, it was a short field and a stupid, real stupid penalty. Couldn't be a dumber penalty, but they responded. I mean, they they didn't really allow the Dolphins to drive with great consistency, and I mean, I can't like plays inside their te- own territory was like, I mean, it's just it was it was it was it was incredible. It was just another impressive performance. That team hung, hung seventy in a game this year. Yeah, uh, well, they were playing they... air. <laughs> oh, the, they only beat the... What did the Chiefs do against that air? A week yeah. ago. Listen, I'm God. saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I just, you know, yeah, it's just, it's really impressive. It's really impressive what they're doing. Anything else you want to talk about on the defense, Craig, Maddie? No, I'm I'm good. I, I feel like we, we've hit on it pretty hard. Um, I would encourage anybody that is not subscribed to the KCSN Substack, Go do that, KCSN Daily. That's kcsn.substack.com. I got something tomorrow talking about the Chiefs limiting um, game-wrecking players this season as compared to the rest of the NFL. And I'm looking back at some of Steve Spagnuolo's previous stuff. So I'm actually very excited about this one. Not that I'm not excited about other ones, but more so than usual here at some of the results that have come out this season. That article is brought to you by DraftKings Unders? Beliefs. Just saying, just thinking out loud. All right, sticker slaps and spirits time before we get out of here. We are handing out stickers, slaps, spirits. If you want to hand out a game ball in the comments, leave some suggestions on who you want a game ball to go to. Uh, I'm going to give my helmet sticker to Mike Edwards because 
Like we talk about Chet McDuffie's role. We talk about Brian Cook's role. We probably need to be talking about the flip six part of it a little bit too. Like all three of those guys, just a incredible performance. But Mike Edwards having the, you know, the foresight to 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 toss that ball back to Brian Cook. Really, really nice. I think I, I think Joshua Williams had a pretty nice block on that. I think Mike Dana was running down the field with him too. Mike Dana had an awesome block on that one. Yeah. Shout out, shout out the whole Chief Fence too. Like just all the unsung players on the Chief Fence for just making a big play there. So helmet sticker to uh to Mike Edwards and some of the unsung heroes of the flip six. Greg. Oh, um, I we did a lot of stuff for the defense um for the toast game yesterday. Kent just took the entire chief defense um for for his helmet sticker. So let's go to the offensive side of the ball. And this one was this was a, a little bit a little bit trickier. Um, but I, I'm gonna go with Jarek McKinnon. Um, I think he's always a little bit of an unsung hero for this team with his what he does in pass protection. Like, there's the clip going around of Isaiah Pacheco and pass pro and working his butt off and like, you know, maybe being a good rep. And it was, there's also some not good reps of Isaiah Pacheco and pass protection of this game. And you just don't see those from Jarek McKinnon hardly ever. He's just nails when he's asked to do that. And then they don't do it often, but when they dial up his number on third downs or in the red zone and you need a play, Jarek McKinnon is a guy that gets him for you. So, you know, Jet get, gets a nice little butt slap for this one. I loved his little, he made it look like an option route, but he was running a drive on the shallow of a mesh concept the entire way. He made it look great, catches the ball, gets in the end zone for a score. Chiefs really needed that in that spot. So, yeah, shout out Jet. Butt slap on the land. Yeah, yeah. I was going to give him a whole ass bottle of bourbon. So, instead... I'm going to drink the whole ass bottle of bourbon and just chime in here. Pay Mike Dana and Drew Tranquil during the bye week. Get it over with. Both of those dudes need to be on the squad moving forward. Spags gets the game ball. Shout out to Chad Pytag for putting that one up. Uh, he gets the game ball. The Kansas City Chiefs are 7-2 and two heading into the bye week. They get their revenge on Tyreek Hill because Cheetahs never prosper. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much. We appreciate it. We love you. Catch you later. Did you get that one, Maddie? Cheetahs never prosper. I was not paying attention. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.